Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. And Dominique, I thought since it's it's the end of 2018, that this would be a, just a nice time to visit with just the two of us, not have any guests and to kind of look back a little bit on what we've been doing and what's been going on with our horses and in my case with the goats and and the horses. And I, I wanted to share a rather interesting thing that I've been noticing with the goats just get us started off. So for those who don't know, I've added a small herd of cashmere goats to the barn. They belong to a convent that's just north of here. And so I have two boys, Elian and Peleus, who were the original two goats that came to the barn. And then I have three girls who were uh, born here at the barn last spring. So that's Felicity, Patience, and Faraday. Felicity and Patience are sisters. And then very recently, two does came to the barn who were pregnant. So Thonzi is here. She was here last year and she is due next week, actually. So I'm going to have baby goats again. Lots of laughter for the winter. (laughs) And she is so bulging that she's definitely due. And then I have uh, the mother of Elian and Peleus and she'll be due later in the winter. But the three girls have been really interesting because they um goats can be goats can be very hard on one another if you would not if you were if they were human children and you were their parent you would be constantly having to sort of separate them and be saying now girls that's not a very nice way to treat your sister so verity and and felicity pick on patience a great deal and they they chase patience they uh, push her aside if there's something that they want she gets run off and they have horns so running off is 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 definitely um, an emphatic thing they just put their little heads down and 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 run right into you and off you go so what patience was patience it was very easy to separate her from the other two so in the when I would go out to work with them I could easily put hay in the hay feeders or toss some grain and patience would be off by herself and it was easy to open the gate and let her sneak out because the other two were busy um, getting all the 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 hay stretchers that I'd tossed on the floor which meant that because she was so easy to get apart from the other two that she got extra time and it's not a lot of extra time but it was definitely extra time that she was always the first one that I worked with and if I was short on time I would work some days I just worked her if it was really cold because we had a really cold November or if I was really tight on time I might do her a little bit longer and then do Verity and Felicity as a pair. And what I started noticing was how much further ahead patients became. And it made me think of the, I think we we first encountered this, for many people, they will have encountered this in Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, 
though he is not the originator of this idea. But he, in in Outliers, he poses poses the question: What is it that predicts? If you were looking at, if you were a scout looking, he was looking at the Canadian Hockey League, and you're trying to predict who's going to be a really top hockey player. What is one of the best predictors of which of these high school kids is going to really excel at hockey? And so you you start at answering all the obvious things, you know, well, what are some of the obvious uh, characteristics that you would look at that would be that you would think would be that matters their genes for example and it turns out that the predictor is birth date which at first seems really odd you know what has the birth date got to do with this individual is going to go on and be a hockey superstar and this one might as well go sell insurance so if you were born closer to the winter so if you were born from January to, let's say, uh, May or June, you have a huge advantage hmm. over the boys who were born later in the year. You have two, three more months of practice. It's not so much practice. Well, it is practice. It comes down to practice. But what it is, is the child who was born in January is bigger than the child who was born in September, October. And because they're bigger and stronger and more coordinated, so a, there's a big difference between um, a child who was born in January and who's now six at when he's in January 1 versus a child who was six on September 1. And they're both going into school and there's a six-month growth difference and coordination difference. And so that child who was born in January gets noticed by the coaches more. And because they're noticed by the coaches more, they get more playing time. They get more coaching time. And bit by bit, Mm -hmm. the difference in their skill level gets greater and greater and greater than that child who's getting just a little bit less coaching time. Mm-hmm. And it really made me think about that as I was watching this change in what patience is able to do in their training, and what they, just by the just by that little bit incrementally adding up. Yep, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yep. And it's it's definitely something to think about for those of us who have multiple animals. You know, whether or multiple children. (laughs) But that just that little bit of a difference makes a big difference over time. Right. It is interesting. So that's a lot of goats you have. It is a lot of goats. My God, you're up at seven and how many on their way? God knows. (laughs) Because they're... They have they have lots of babies, don't they? Well, they generally have twins. So last year we had twins oh, and triplets, but they're not oh, yeah, all stained, right. so they're not permanent residents. At the moment, right. <laughs> you know, at, at the moment the barn feels very full, but they they're not all permanent residents. So 
um, they'll be going back. But it, they're, they're so much fun. I take them out for, for walks as a group. And it really shows you the value of training. Because training creates freedom. It creates freedom of opportunities for them. Because there's this training connection, and I've worked with them so much, we can go out for long walks together. So the, I take the five uh, goats out, Peleus and Elian, and then the three girls. and Free, not with a lead. Free, right. So there yeah. are, there, and of course, this is what people have done with goats and sheep for thousands of years. You know, the goat herds, you, you don't have your, your goats on a lead, you're going across whatever landscape you're in guarding your herd and the goats are free but these we're here we're really we're going for a walk and we go out beyond the the fenced areas into the back fields and it's uh verity and they stay around oh boy do they stay around so verity the who is the biggest of the three girls she stays right by my side she just goes into heel position and that's where she stays and it was really interesting because a couple of days ago she supplanted Elian, who is has has been the one who says i i am the one who is going to stay right by her leg and i get all the treats and all the rest of you can go away and verity just wasn't having it she just came right up and said no i don't think so <laughs> this is my place so fascinating i love watching mm. this kind of interaction so we go out for long walks and they she goes into heel position and i will have uh verity on one side and often elian on the other or one of the other girls will get to sneak in and 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 the rest of them sort of trail behind and stay close it's really fun it's really fun so you're you're is there a feminine word for shepherd in english shepherdess Shepherdess. Yes. So you are becoming a real shepherdess. Well, I'm becoming a good goat companion <laughs> or something. But yeah, so it's it's uh, it makes a nice break from all the hours on the computer. That's for sure. And they are fascinating. Right. Have they have they um, have they what have they done for you in terms of training? What have, what have they opened up? I mean, you've had so many years of experience, mostly with uh, with horses. Have they? Do you find they have brought something to you that you didn't have before, or that you explored in a deeper way? Well, they've brought or? a lot of things. They have brought a real confirmation of the value of the work that that as I teach it the the procedures, the principles, the structure of particularly of the foundation work that I've been developing for the horses. I think the goats really confirm the value of that. And, and the fact that it's universal. Yes, yes. and that mm-hmm. by following that basic foundation, what you create are really eager learners who understand the process who are safe to be around. Yeah, so it's it's a good start for yes. all animals. Yep. So that's that's a big part of it. The um, the working with multiple animals has been really interesting because mm. uh, you can work with you can work with five or seven goats at a time in a way that you would not 
work with five or seven horses unless you had done considerably more training than these goats currently have. It just would not be safe. Why Why is that? Oh, it would not be safe? And yet you're saying before that they can be pretty nasty with one another, but it's not as, I guess, damaging or dangerous because when horses decide to go after each other, it can be pretty... Yes, ugly. and... <laughs> Where maybe the goat, they'll just hit right. each other's Right, and a misplaced and kick on with a horse it can be, yeah, can it be can very be dramatic. dramatic. And yeah, if it you're... It can be the end of the life of, a, right. of another horse and, or human. And with the goats, uh, I, when, the, when the two ladies first came here, I let everybody out in the arena. And it was, there was a lot of chaos. So I had, let's see, uh, seven goats swirling around me. And they were sorting themselves out in terms of uh, hierarchy, hierarchy, yes. And, hmm. and it was safe for them. So it was not a dangerous thing for them. Whereas I would not do that by choice with seven horses. Uh, I would not put three separate groups together just on a whim like that. And mm. and when they were swirling around my legs, it was fine. Um, they didn't knock me over because I'm bigger than they are. Yeah, you didn't feel. You I didn't, didn't feel, feel threatened. threatened. And when they ran, mm. when they bumped into one another, it was no big deal. But it is. Mm. So it's it's a great it's a great situation yes. to learn, and experiment. Yes, with absolutely, animals. absolutely. So yeah. you get to play with. Yeah with multiples and then I get to play with some of the dog training that without having to get a dog <laughs> right without having to get a dog and without having to do a lot of adaptations of of a yeah. particular method because I'm going from the size of a dog up to the size of a horse and and yes a lot of things work the same but there are things that don't work the same just because a dog is a much more uh plastic wiggly squirmy animal than a horse so you know i remember you told me something once and i thought it was so interesting uh, the the even if it definitely is universal and the principles of behavior analysis are are universals the knowledge of the animal is still an important part of good training and you said to me once that you had had a clinic where you had a agility dog trainer oh, who was yes. really savvy, yes, clicker trainer, um, and she had asked super intelligent questions throughout the clinic, and so by the Monday she asked if she could go play with the horses, and you thought, well, you know, this woman she's pretty knowledgeable, and you said yes, and then you said to me after five minutes. She was in trouble. Yep, less than five minutes. She, yeah, yeah. She was. She. It was. She was. It was dangerous. She was in a dangerous situation, and so the knowing how to read an animal is an important part too. So you have yeah. you have to know this. You have to have a good basis of, and maybe it's something else too. What uh, is there anything I, you want to add? I think it's it's knowing how to read the animal knowing how to read the situation but then also following protocol so with 
with these goats, I have been incredibly, I want to say cautious. In, Methodic. Yeah, metho very methodical in how I've introduced them to various uh, exercises and steps. And, and it allows me to do things with them and for it to be safe for me, mm -hmm. for them. Yes, I can get away with certain things that with the horses would have been so dangerous so fast. But I didn't jump in with the goat saying, oh, I'm just going to uh, go out there with my pockets full of goodies and... And run with you. <laughs> right, because they, they, you know, I may be taller than they are, but they could knock me down. And especially if if I went out there with my pockets loaded with goodies and they didn't understand the game and they hadn't had any of the training that I've put into them, I think I would have been in trouble really, really fast. Mm -hmm. Even with the goats, even with the smaller animals. Oh, absolutely with the goats. Mm. You know, that you can get knocked over especially when there are there are two or three of them and they know that you have goodies in your pocket and they want them that yes you could you can get into you can get into trouble with 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 dogs you can get into trouble with all kinds of animals and you can get into trouble pretty fast and we know that because look at all of the oh look at all yeah. the animals that end up at the yeah. shelters because they are in quotes, bad animals. They bit me. Yeah. You know, they... Uh, they even, even clicker-trained animals. I mean, I, I, I remember seeing um, a friend of mine uh, had some minis, and he's a clicker trainer, but he, he's not used to... He's, he's mostly a dog trainer, and his minis were not what I would uh, want to present as the example, the poster boy for a clicker, a clicker for, mini. For clicker training. Um, yeah. Because they were not very polite, not very well behaved, you know? They were pretty um, uh, bully. They, 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 they were bullying right. each other. They were, they were also um, the ones who were deciding on this, the, the training, I think. And the speed uh, of the session, yes. and you know, it felt like I have to get out of here. <laughs> Although they're small, um, and you know, it felt like their owner had the same. You know, it was for their for his daughter, and um, sometimes I felt like she thought I better get out of here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So there, there is a there is a protocol, like you say, to uh, make sure that you have well-behaved animal when your pockets are full of goodies. That's right, and that 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 core foundation of mm. building good, solid manners, which means really that your animal is comfortable with the process, understands the process, that you're not frustrating them by withholding the click and they're in an extinction process and now they're really getting they're they're getting especially frustrated and they're starting to act out and then they discover that 
when they do that, that you scatter treats on the ground and, oh, that was a good strategy. Let me remember that and repeat it. Exactly. You know, that, um, so the, this foundation work really makes a difference. And I think we've been hearing that in our recent podcasts. I, I wanted to say how much I've been enjoying having our guests that having Cindy talking, Cindy Martin talking about um, her horse and Mary Con Cannon and so on, that I love the stories that they're telling about the these horses that really brought them into clicker training and helped them figure out clicker training. Because I, I, as they're as they're sharing these stories, what I know is that there are people listening who have horses that are very similar mm-hmm. and like yep. the uh when, when mary concannon talked about newbie being grumpy and not liking to be touched because of all the physical things that had uh that had uh, the issues that he had had some of them so very uncomfortable uh, you know he had every right not to enjoy being touched Mm-hmm. But it had become sort of the universal grump of, it doesn't hurt me to have you stroke your hand over my shoulder, but I'm expecting it to be horrible. So I'm just going to tell you that that anywhere and everywhere that you touch me, it's, it's, it's horrible. Well, I know that there are people listening to that who are living it, who are saying, that could be my horse. Yeah. And I think it's And you know what's great about these stories too is that they show it's never too late to start again. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No matter how bad it is, you can start over. Yes. That, that that there there is that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And as Cindy put it so magnificently that not only that, but as your eyes become accustomed to the light in the tunnel, you discover that it's a wonderfully fascinating place to, to be. travel through mm-hmm. so yep. yeah I, I really appreciated their telling the these these stories and the sharing of the case histories I, I think that's so important for people to hear what is possible and not just theoretically because you know I haven't had a lot of horses as personal horses so no one of us can live all of the experiences, you know, you, that the, when you think of all the things that people struggle with, the horses that are shut down, the horses that have, um, are, their feet are never still, the horse that um, is physically disabled, the horse that is incredibly athletic, the, you know, you go down the well, list. Well, it's, it's like we say, it's a study of it's one. A study so of no one. one horse is the same. The principles of behavior analysis are universal, but you have to apply them to each individual and no none no individual is the same. That's right. So yeah, we can have the all the experiences of all those individuals. Yep. That brings us to one of the discussions that we were having a while back when before we, we were having our, our guests join us, we were talking about the principles of training. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were. And and because of what I find is that when when I have a training puzzle when I see something that I'm not particularly liking the direction that 
the training is heading, whatever, however you want to phrase it, that I go first to principles. They and they really help me to to figure things out and to solve things. And one of the pieces that I thought would be interesting to talk about a little bit um, that we haven't addressed yet is the stopping to get the treat and how valuable that is. And speaking of stopping, this seems like the perfect place to interrupt the conversation. So here comes the music and we're going to wish you a very happy new year. We want to thank you for joining us throughout 2018. It's been great fun recording these podcasts. In 2019, we will be adding a new segment in some of our podcast episodes. From time to time, we will address your questions or share some of your comments. To contact us, simply go to the Equiosity website and scroll down to the bottom of the homepage where you will find the contact form. Use this form to send us your questions, comments, or stories. You can also tell us where you're at in your training, what your goals are for 2019, or let us know about topics you would like us to discuss. Alex and I look forward to hearing from you and wish you all the best for the new year.